Oh, um, I've got some bee updates. Ooh. What's up with your bees? Yeah. Uh, so, well, so I got stung. Uh, I got my <gasps> first bee sting. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. So you've been initiated. I've been initiated. Wow. Um, and yeah, besides that, uh, the bees are just kind of generally angry right now. Um, oh, they, that's interesting. Yeah, we're hopefully going to figure out why. Um, they did, they, we did have to get new, more boxes to put on top because they were, had already filled oh my everything gosh. that they were in. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, in the bees defense, I was, I had planted <laughs> some wildflowers around their hives uh-huh. uh, and I was watering them and, you know, uh-huh. bees don't like water. So, oh. yeah. So they were basically saying, cut it out, you idiot. Yep. Hello and welcome to Good-Looking People in Small Clever Rooms that Utilize Every Centimeter of Available Space with Mind-Boggling Efficiency. Usually we record on Saturday, but due to reasons, today is Thursday and it's throwing the whole formula off. I'm Andrew and I'm here with Brianna. Greetings. And as always, we're joined by my mom, Norma. Hello. And by our friend, Vinny. Hiya. Uh, this is almost, the reading uh, for this week is almost entirely like from Don Gately's perspective at Ennett House, talking mm-hmm. about a variety of people there and kind of his own history uh, or getting into his own history a little bit in the recovery program there. I was taken by, by Gately, kind of, just mm-hmm. in general, just a general mm-hmm. observation is that he seems, he seems like, and isn't it funny that I'm surprised that there's this character that actually seems seriously uh, kind of devoted to his uh, recovery from addiction and his commitment to AA? And is that is that a true reading of it? I mean, it seems like he's honestly. Uh, I think so. Yeah. He's honestly. Yeah. He's 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 in it. I, mm-hmm. I, for some reason, thought he was some kind of a, you know, that he ended up as on staff there as just mm-hmm. a, I don't know, it just happened. It was yeah. easy. Like a, yeah. but, but a fluke, kind of, yeah, just, just happenstance <laughs> that it worked out that way and that he didn't have anything else to do. But he seems, he seems, he seems really like, like he wants, he wants it all to work out for himself and for others. Even. Yeah. 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 Um, it seems like he really believes in the way AA works also. Yeah. Um, or, yeah. Or, but he's also constantly correcting himself. And it's like it's or the narration, which I assume is like close narration of his thoughts every once in a while sidetracks. And it's like, oh, he's he's judging the NA program. But who's he to cast aspersions on the way anyone's recovery might right. work? He right. just knows that AA works for him. Right. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you say that because um, every time those moments happen where he's like, but who is he? Da, 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 and kind of being noncommittal on his opinion about things uh, made me noodle around with the idea that 
I'm curious about what it would mean if I read Don Gately as Hamlet or a Hamlet-esque Ooh. character. Uh, mm. Because the kind of indecisive... Oh, sorry. Just a second. I, I don't make the rules. <laughs> there. Oh, okay. Oh, good. <laughs> the, the indecisive non-committing to one course of action is very Hamlet-esque. Yeah. Uh, and in a lot, I mean, he's very placid, like in, almost intentionally so most of the time. But I think mm-hmm. that you could read that as like uh, as him being a hero of inaction. Um, I also wonder if that is so. If we if we hold up Don Gately and Hal as two types of Hamlets, mm-hmm. and looking at Hal and his very controlled, um, academically driven, uh, athletics focused, and then looking to find a way to let loose in the form of his subterranean weed smoking. Yeah. And then Don Gately getting away from that, letting loose and maybe being at a, a um, more advanced stage of development, maybe, <laughs> than Hal in terms of his Hamlet esqueness. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we get a couple more biographical details about Don Gately. He's been sober for a little over a year, like 400 yeah. some days. I'm the um, time checker, I'm the yeah. date checker. I, I, I believe that that means that he. He started on his path to sobriety immediately after accidentally killing his burglary victim. I would believe, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, that's right. I checked yeah. the timeline, and, and it seems to be like almost right away. But there isn't a date directly before this section, so I'm unclear about whether we assume this is in. I assumed it was all under the date that's at the beginning the November of the 6th. chapter. November yeah, 6th. November 6th. Yeah, yeah that's and what I would assume, the way too. I take it, yeah. Yeah. And, okay, uh, because I have not been interpreting it that way, and mm. every time Ooh. that happens in the timeline, I throw it in no date. <laughs> so um, this should be a fun editing of my (laughs) entire timeline yeah uh would you just put it under no date or no date uh year of the dependent adult undergarment it depends um huh because it's true yeah there's no heading specifically for this section that explicitly says even the year right right yeah Um, but it makes sense Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah he killed his victim accidentally in the year of the uh, dairy products from the dairy year, products from the yes that one which yeah. is the year preceding yep. YDAU. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking and of it, which, there's also uh, just a brief sidetrack. There's also a mention of BS ninety nine uh, in in one person's bio in this section. So I, I read oh. that as nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it makes me think that maybe the first subsidized year was the year 2000. Oh, okay. Oh, that would be significant, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. That, that would make sense. 
I'm willing to accept that interpretation. Yeah. I am too, I think. Well, because that would that would make sense if something major was going to happen with the way time is denoted. Uh, mm-hmm. It would be at the it would be at the year two thousand. The millennium. Yeah. Yeah, 2000 makes sense. I've also been wondering if it if it started in 2002. So then if uh, the year of the Yoshitsu 2007 Medic Resolution Cartridge View Motherhood, easy to install upgrade for in- <laughs> Infernatron interlaced TP systems for home, office, or mobile sick. Uh, if that would be year 2007. It's possible, but that yeah. would leave a pretty big <clears throat> hole in James O's filmography, if that it were the would, case. It would, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. So, I kind but... of like the idea. I hadn't really thought about... So, so when was the book written? Why do I always forget 96. this? 96. 96. Thank you. Uh so there already there would have been a lot of talk about what's going to happen when we hit the year 2000. Yeah. Right? I mean already that would have been So so it kind of it it's kind of like uh Well, one thing that's going to happen is that we're going to we're going to read we're going to have a different way of naming our years after that cuz our computers can't handle the switch to the the 2000. Right. Mm-hmm. Everything's yeah. gonna fall apart. How computers would handle these dates though. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds like an enormous programming problem. Think about that little that itty bay calendar that exists if you click <laughs> up in the bottom yeah. right hand corner. It would take up the whole screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No good. <laughs> uh let's see, what else? We know that Don Gately is paying restitution for a variety of things for three different and with three different courts yeah um we don't know specifically what former crimes he's paying restitution for or we and we still don't know whether he's been he has been in jail too it mentions somewhere yeah. that he was incarcerated but we well, don't he know has some prison tattoos mm-hmm. right he does um, but if, in fact, my assumption about the date is correct, the dates, then that then would mean that he had done like no time. He which didn't doesn't do seem time. Possible. Well, that maybe you guys were I right, and he that wasn't he wasn't caught. That yeah. he wasn't caught. I think and maybe then, that's yeah. the thing. And and in a way, it kind of makes sense based on what we do know about him. Which back when back when we heard that whole horrible story. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it. The point was made that he, you know, he was a he was a nice guy. He just needed money for his habit, and mm-hmm. he didn't he he didn't he didn't hurt people. He wasn't like he didn't rob people. He was a burglar. He just right. broke in when they weren't there and took the money because he needed it. But and and it kind of fits that something that when the when his victim died accidentally that it would have really shaken him to his core because that was so not who he was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what it would take to push him to try to find a different way. I don't yeah. know. Kind of, it kind of made sense to me. Which it is... kind of explained why he would, why he would enter the Ennett house 
program and whatever he had to do before he got there. I don't know if he had to do other And it also, sure. it complicates his position a lot here because he is in recovery and he is making amends, as they say. Yes. Um, but also he's got this, he, he knows that he committed this awful crime and that he hasn't been... Right, uh, and he talks you know, he about one of the... He talks about one of the other residents, right? And about that he's hiding out. He's just there to right. hide out. Lens. I can't remember oh, lens. Yeah. yeah. He's just there to hide out. And so maybe maybe that's why Gately's there too. Yeah, maybe that's a mm-hmm. little projection. Oh, and we know that he's twenty nine. Hmm. Seems young. Yeah. He's yeah. young. He's pretty young. He's also really big and, and there again has a square head. Yes. Maybe we knew right. that about him before. Very mm-hmm. large with a square head. Yeah. And a Prince Valiant haircut. Right, yeah. What does that mean? Uh, uh, let me see if I can a, find a picture. Yeah, oh, yeah. it was an old cartoon strip, and it's kind of a page boy, short page boy cut with bangs yeah. and uh, sides that hang down below your ears. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Yeah, and old... it's pretty awful. It's pretty yeah. awful when you yeah, picture it on his large square head. Yeah, <laughs> and calling it an old—I mean, it is an old comic strip, but it's still in the Sunday papers, right? Is it still there? I, think oh, that's so, yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. It's just quite uh, a picture of him. You know, to imagine the reference this. chat. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah, there. And then, you know, make yep. the face bigger and squarer <laughs> and gross. <laughs> no. It's like medieval, you know, yeah. this medieval haircut. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like we talked about this early on, but now I'm wondering about whether we can continue to read Gately as black. I don't think Ooh. that we oh, can. He can't. If he yeah, has this I guess he haircut. Can't be. Yeah, that wouldn't work if you had curly yeah. hair. And and also the they in the section about tattoos, they talk about how uh, black residents have almost exclusively uh, white ink tattoos, uh, and that prison tattoos don't show up on black skin very well. Hmm. True. So the chapter begins with uh, the I- introducing this new resident that we haven't met before, Jeffrey Day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love him. No, I'm not a fan. Yeah. Uh, he's... He's irritating. He is. I, I think maybe one of the reasons I don't love him is I could see myself having the same problems if I were in a program like AA. Mm. Uh, <laughs> like that I, I, I'm not sure I could get past all the cliches like piled on top of each other, mm-hmm. uh, which seems to be his... That's uh, his thing. That's, that's his, his current thing. In, in a way that right. Tiny Yule <clears throat> is obsessed with tattoos. Jeffrey Day just cannot stop talking about the stupid cliches. Right. Right. Yeah. I thought I found the whole conversation around cliches as really interesting mm-hmm. uh, because I could see both sides. Cliches are so irritating if if you have if you're if you're having difficult a difficult time and people throw cliches at you, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel helpful. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's kind of infuriating. It's kind of like, you don't understand what I'm going through. If you're saying that to me, you're oversimplifying. But mm-hmm. then, but then Don Gately keeps defending cliches. Uh, yes. You know that, 
that they, he says, uh, they look so shallow for a while, and then suddenly they drop off and deepen. Uh, yeah, and I can't, hmm. I, I don't, I'm not going to be able to find... You can get a whiff of what's true and deep, almost magic, under the shallow surface of what they're trying to do. Yeah. Maybe that's the section I'm thinking of, where it, it basically was, he says the, the challenge of somebody in a program like <clears> this who's, who's having trouble with these cliches is to stop thinking about them critically and start trying to put them into practice. Yeah, right. um, it's easy to say them. It's a lot harder to act on them. Yes, and, and yeah. that, that by like that. that by having this intellectual quibble with the way the language is presented is missing the point of a program like this. The, right. the, the intellectual component it's not it's not there to be an intellectual exercise. Yeah, um, the narration talks about how newcomers like. Day identify their whole selves with their head. Oh yes, and I. And the disease yeah. makes it command headquarters in the head. Yeah. So, um, like too much yep. thinking about the like overthinking the whole issue of cliche. Mm -hmm. Right. And we do have this also also uh, this longer end note that's a conversation between Day and Gately. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And prior to the end note, I was thinking that Day's. Um, interest in cliches and everything was kind of closer to Tiny Ewell's interest in uh, tattoos, in that it was kind of just a, this innocent fascination and things like that. But the endnote makes it very clear that it's something that he's very frustrated by and is mm -hmm. pretty angry about. Yes. Yeah. He's he really is obsessed with... Yeah, obsessed and kind of fixated on it fixated yeah but then he's trying really hard to make it clear that nothing that happens there is going to help him right, right. And, and that he I doesn't mean, need help and, and that, that he doesn't need help and in fact is he the one that keeps trying to gately keeps gately says that he you know he keeps trying to pick fights with people so that there'll be some kind of yeah. brawl and he'll get kicked out and then it won't be his fault, and then he can use it as right. proof that it wasn't right. helpful. That to he him tried, I tried, and and I and I got um, kicked he, out unfairly. And he's also the one who uh, his uh, his detox period was apparently so grim that he pretends that it didn't happen. Right. Oh yeah, he says he right. couldn't. Re he can't remember it. Right. Uh, right. Well, it, even beyond that, I need to find the. Um. Yeah. Uh, the infamous Dim Mock Detox, where he was the only white person, which Gately bets must have been very broadening for him. Day, yeah. uh, newcomer in Iraq. Um, I feel like it's in here. Oh, yeah. It, his, his story is he just strolled into Ennett House on a lark one day from oh, his home, yeah. 10 plus clicks away in Maiden, and found the place too hilarious, egregious to want to ever leave. That doesn't, that's not a real word. No, it's not. I no. looked it up. Yeah. Uh, it's oh, a, okay. It's, um, there's, a, there's another one of these. I, I think that sometimes when we're in this close narration Ionic, on Gateway, we, Iona. Uh, he, he doesn't Iona. give one, one Iona. Iona. So there are these yeah. like malapropisms oh, okay. kind of that I think are meant to, to tell us that Gately's like, yeah. he seems like a smart guy and he's got a, he's got this. Uh, complex inner life, but maybe his education is not right. 
the same yeah. as other characters that we know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which and tracks, I yeah. think. It does, because Gately even like consistently says that he just doesn't have the education or the intelligence to keep up with a bunch of people. Right. Including right. in that end note that we read with right. his conversation between him and Day. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had appreciated another... that. Yeah, <laughs> the vulnerability that he showed when he was just like, you know, you're gonna have to go back and say that again in words I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. and I'm like, you go, Don Gately. I love you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going back, you know, I'm surprised by how endearing I'm finding Don Gately. Right. Um, especially with how we were introduced to him. Right. Um, right. And yeah, in, in fact, general, yeah, in go fact, ahead. He's one of the more purely, uh, uh, nice guy characters that we've met. Maybe he and Mario. Mm-hmm. Are the, in a way. How they treat other people. I could see that. Right. Yeah. And he yeah. keeps referencing he when he talks about AA he talks about <clears throat> the the uh, the point of service being of service serving mm-hmm. others mm-hmm. and I don't know he has a different he just seems to have a different outlook on the world yeah. than a lot of the characters that we have met. Yeah. I also in the end note I found a lot of fascinating things in the end note like like. Gately, uh, uh, or Jeffrey Day, says at one point that he thought he was being followed. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and they kind of, he, Gately kind of writes it off as, you know, his, the state he was in. But was he being followed? We know others have been but, followed. Mm-hmm. I suppose, although Gately makes the point that Day refuses to answer the question of why a, uh, what, a sociology teacher is important enough to be followed by a shadowy, mysterious well, organization. Well, that's true. being followed. Yeah. I mean, and no one, you know, and he doesn't know what the, con, you know, who they're connected with. Why, why do I keep seeing them? He doesn't know either. So it, it's, I'm just saying yeah. it's possible. It yeah. is. Just because you're being paranoid doesn't mean it isn't true. Right. The, it isn't right. happening. The things we know about Day, though, until we get more information, lead me to believe that it really is just genuine, unfounded paranoia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless we find out something about Day and his background, I mean, Oren, we know that Oren has the connection with Avril and Condenza, and she may or may not be associated with Quebecois separatists. So, right. On the other hand, a sociology professor is not beyond the realm of. Uh, yeah. Imagination that that would that he might. There's stuff going on in this in this this world, the world that this story takes place in. There's weird stuff happening, and maybe <laughs> maybe a sociology professor knows has some insights or knows something. This is true. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, another thing. Another thing. Just that I found amusing in that endnote was. Uh, that Gately started, I can't even remember what he was saying, but he started to use the words broke in. Oh, yeah. yeah. But he switched yeah, to interrupted. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I so laughed he's re- so hard. <clears throat> I know. And yeah, I, that's he's... why I think he's so traumatized. He was so traumatized by the death of that guy. That I, like I he, mean, I think he's also like, he's like doing some life. work on himself. He's he is. Like, 
Yeah. He's, he's can't use the trying his best him. to put his past behind him. So proud of him. Mm-hmm. And doesn't mm-hmm. he also say in that end notes, make some comment about that leads you to believe that he thinks like we all should be in AA. Everyone should be in AA. Well, Day is complaining that that seems to be the philosophy of AA. Oh, yeah. That oh, okay. E- either either you accept that you need it, or you say that you don't, and that means you're in denial. Okay, that's why. I, that's why mm-hmm. I which made that everybody thing. should be in AA. Right. Which right. Which right. But I thought I thought actually. Ah, oh, my sorry. My earbuds keep falling out. Oh no! Oh um, no! Um, I thought that actually there's truth in that that idea that. That probably everyone, we all have things that we do that kind of, kind of control us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of on the continuum of people that that are alcoholics, for instance. There, it may be more obvious why they would need to be there, but probably we would all benefit from the things that they talk about and do. Really. And it also reminded me, it reminded me of uh, the, the group that Madame Psychosis was reading their pamphlet oh, yes. about the, and I oh, can't yeah. remember the name of it, but really it was like, oh. you know, for those who are disfigured, uh, yeah. a support yeah. group, but then as it turns out, it was like, everybody can come because everybody thinks that there's something wrong with the way they look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I thought there was sort of a parallel there. That everyone, everyone is messed up in one way or another, either physically or, I mean, both physically, both in the way we wish that we looked compared to how we actually look, and also our inner lives are also messed up, some mm-hmm. more obviously than others. <laughs> so after we meet Jeffrey Day, then we, we hear about a couple other residents here we hear about bert f smith and randy lenz Mm -hmm. before that it was there was also a comment by don gately about if if uh jeffrey day keeps on steering by the way things seem to him then he's a dead man for sure it was some kind of comment about if you if you only if you only make your decisions based on how things seem to you then you may not may not turn out well, because how mm-hmm. they seem might not really be how they are. Mm-hmm. Which I thought had something to say about every character in this book. <clears throat> um, I also thought that it was interesting. On 276, there's a line that says that Lens is teaching Gately reserved politeness to people you pretty much want to beat up on site. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which... I think is really nice that the residents are still teaching the, uh, who are they? The staffers. The staff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. They, they, they say that right at the beginning of the chapter two about day that, uh, the, Oh yeah. They He's say that gately patients. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, what's her name? That's the head of Ennett house. Uh, Pat Montesian. Yeah. Uh, clearly is still coaching Gately and probably other staffers through their continued recovery. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, 
he keeps hearing her words ringing in his ear about, you know, that they're teaching us. They're teaching us. I think about it as almost like uh, Gately is a a graduate student at Ennett House. Oh, that's and good. And all, all the other residents yeah. are undergrads. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. I like that. Ah, is this how you interface with the world, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a real question. Um. So you ask about people, other people that are there. So there's there's Bert F. Smith. Yeah. Uh, who we who was he the guy that was assaulted by uh, poor Tony and friends back? Uh, it says that he lost his his hands and his feet to frostbite when he was attacked. Uh, when he was mugged the day before Christmas uh, and left by mm, a dumpster in the alley. Together. I think it was. I, I, I tried to check the timeline there, but I... That, that, I that according was to what I remember, that would line up. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I don't have that in the timeline at all because it didn't have a date again. But it was oh. winter. I remember it, was, it being it winter. Was Christmas, it yeah. was Christmas Eve. They oh. referred to it as Christmas Oh, Eve. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they, they were trying to get, they were trying to get in good enough shape, some of them, to go to, like, family Christmas things. Right. Yeah. Right. right. They weren't succeeding. <laughs> no. Uh, but, yeah, it's kind of creepy the way, the way characters bump into each other in this book. Mm-hmm. There's little weird connections. Yeah, it's just like it's like this really small world, right? And the, like and they don't horrible. even know necessarily. Yeah, and how horrible he lost his hands and his feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they kind, of, but they kind of also play that for laughs when they're like, "Haha, you should see him try to light a match." Right. Um, mm-hmm. and I know that's. That's definitely Gately. But that's the thing in this book, right, though, that like yeah. pe- people with physical disabilities are often the the object of jokes, like like jo- jokes that are uh, uh, told by the narration. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of Vinny's. Uh, you yeah, know, the, yeah, the, the, kind of the slapstick dystopian. Kind of yeah, nasty, mm-hmm. nasty sort of slapstick. I kind of found it a little bit fascinating that. You know, I found it that section a little bit autobiographical in a way, um, especially with all of the frustrations about AA and the program and all of that, um, which, you know, also, I mean, it may have been something that either, you know, Wallace felt. Uh, did Wallace ever go into. I don't uh, know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It seems like the kind of thing a writer would take issue with if they were in a recovery program. Yeah. For sure. Watching him smoke a cigarette is an adventure in fucking pathos as far as Gately's concerned. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Forget about what it's like trying to watch him try to try and like that. It it is joking, but I think that there is, if you peel away the joke from that, there's a genuine, like, Empathy and also kind of horror at on what Gately's ad- part. Oh uh, yeah, on Gately's part about like what mm-hmm. addiction does to people and and kind of wondering like 
he's got these this physical manifestation of what his addiction has done to him, but what has addiction done to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. what, what could it do to me if right. I right. if I like these are lose my concentration tales. for just a moment? Yeah. Because the, then you so you have Gately feeling some kind of sadness for yeah for Bert F. Smith, but then you have uh, what's his name, Dooney Glynn, who has mm-hmm. told stories about uh, somebody coming in who not only has no hands and feet, but no arms and no legs and not even a head. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that guy, that whole, and he got he got punished for doing that because that was cruel. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's. <clears throat> that's the more standard response to disabilities mm-hmm. in this book. And then we also meet Randy Lenz, who's obsessively asking everybody the time. Yes. yes. Oh, but yeah. But he won't wear a watch. He's a like right. he's, he's afraid phobic. of them. He's yeah. afraid. He's watches. afraid of watches. Yeah, he has a phobia. Yes. He has a phobia, oh. and he oh. and he has to always be to the northeast of everyone. Wait, yeah. is that oh, the yeah. same person? Yes. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought that was um the one with the guy with the mohawk. Uh no, that's no. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Emil. Emil Minty. Uh, Minty. 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 Yeah, is his name. And they Minty say, why Minty. is he at Ennett House? That's what that's um, the north, or always facing the north. He's here mostly to hide out. He rarely leaves the house except under compulsion. He avoids windows. Oh, he's the one that that got that was in the middle of a drug deal and screwed both sides of it. And so right. you know, both sides yeah. are accurate. yeah. Minty, uh, Minty uh, is. No, 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 lens. lens. No, Lens, Lens is, yeah. okay, so Lens, lens is the one. We don't know okay. much about we Minty. Know. We just get a reference to Minty being kind of punky and having this mohawk that's growing out and having fact, really, like, looking fact, upholstered. Gately, in fact, Gately kind of wonders about why he's there, why Minty yeah. is there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the in, thing about, a thing about being, facing north. So Did far, yeah. I've found Lens is seated low in the northeastmost corner of an old fake velour love seat. He's jammed in the northeastmost corner of the living room. Okay, being in the northeast corner is not the same as needing to always face north. No. No, he, no, it, he's he, in he the, doesn't always he face north. north. He, there is he just somebody has to be... who, who wants that, though, isn't there? No, he, there's somebody who wants to always be to the northeast of everyone else. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's right after hey. it talks. It's right after it co- talks about him sitting in the northeasternmost corner. It says Randy Lentz has a strange compulsive need to be north of everything and yeah. possibly mm. even northeast of everything. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> On two seventy nine, Randy Lentz's obsessive compulsions include the need to be north, a fear of discs. A tendency to constantly take his own pulse, a fear of all forms of timepieces, and a need to always know the time with great precision. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we don't I just know remember why. reading that, but <clears throat> I couldn't remember who it was connected to, and I, I felt like we heard too much about Lens for it to be him, but he mm. has a lot of compulsion. He's got a lot going He's on. He's got a okay. lot. <laughs> like, for instance, a fear of discs. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what kind of discs? Does it mean I don't know, entertainment? Just the shape like, or yeah, I'm not sure. 
There's also the question, well, no, no. I was going to say, you know, floppy disks or CD disks, but I guess mm-hmm. disk is CD <clears throat> disk. Also, it doesn't matter yeah. too much. Yeah. wondering if, like, uh, frisbee golfing discs. Mm-hmm. Or, like, yeah, who right. knows? Yeah. yeah. What are what? we working That's with That's a good here? point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all good. We'll never know. We really hear Gately really, really think, uh, uh, we learn a lot about what he thinks about uh, recovery from substance abuse. And mm-hmm. he talks about how really, really he should be going to NA instead of AA because that's really his issue, right. uh, mm-hmm. the drugs, uh, but that he, he doesn't like NA as much right. as he likes AA. And he said he did used to drink some. Right. So, so that's that's, so that's okay. Yeah. Uh, um but then he says somewhere too that uh that he points out that there's a difference between abstinence and recovery. Mm-hmm. Which he makes a point of. And it seems like the NA people are more focused on Oh, it's so hard. Yes, exactly. We missed the substance so hard. We missed it so much. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Rooms full of Randy lenses all hugging each other, pretending they don't miss the substance. And that's where he goes on to his thing about who's to say which one works best for who. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then he's talking about... Gately's talking about his schedule for the morning. He's trying to stay yeah. awake, right? Because yeah. he was yeah, working, he was cleaning custodial work that he does at night. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to stay awake until the director, until Pat M. gets back. And right. the, there are application interviews coming up with three people and he has to greet them. I love the story of her uh, dog screening system yes. at Ennett House. Yeah. The, the 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 dogs are just horrifying. They're and... horrifying. They're scabby and mangy, and they chew at themselves and lick and scratch and just look horrifying. And he's supposed to tell them. He sets them up. He welcomes the he welcomes the applicants and uh, tells them hints. Tells them that he's giving them each a hint. Right that that. Pat loves her dogs, and if they if they go in and are nice to the dogs and talk to the dogs, that that'll that'll that will uh, help help her uh, choose them, want to choose them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they go in and discover these hideous creatures, and 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 then it turns out that that is her system. Yeah. And if they, if, they, if they pet the dogs and are nice to the dogs, that means that they're willing to do things that they don't want to do. And so they'll yeah. be fine. And so she, she, she takes them on. <laughs> and it really, that's her main way of deciding. Are they applicants for the, to be residents there? Or I, they, I believe, I believe so. Is, yeah. that yeah. is that what it is? The, yeah. Gately talks, it talks about how Gately will give them coffee if he thinks they can handle it. Right. Right. Yeah. So I like. I thought that was a pretty good screening system, actually. Yeah, I thought so too. And mm-hmm. the dogs benefit from that because they're very uh-huh. good dogs, and they definitely deserve to be petted. 
Yeah. yeah. They look horrifying. Although, why doesn't she take them to the vet and get them stuff for their itchiness? Well, they probably have complicated medical problems that oh. they're receiving treatment for. Okay. okay. Yeah. Anyway, I thought those of you who are out in the world looking for jobs should, you know, remember that. Always pet the in dog. Case, yep. Uh, always yes, pet the always dog. Always pet the dog and talk yeah. to it. And if there is even a cat, if, Even if it looks like there's something wrong with it. Right. Mm. Right. Oh, yeah. You couldn't stop me. No. Right. She'd have the man- <laughs> Brianna would have the mangy little dog in her lap, yeah. yeah, rubbing rubbing its itchy spots for it. We got to meet my uh, my brother and his wife's dog yesterday. Oh, they have a dog. Oh. She's so cute. She's a yellow lab who is just oh. kind of growing out of puppyhood right now. Oh, gangly puppy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's so soft. She's really, really soft, Aww. and she's friendly, and she loves the hose. Aww. She does. <laughs> and what's her name? Oh, her name is Woodchip, but Aww. Chip for short. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes oh, Chipper. Sweet. <laughs> That's so sweet. That's very sweet. Yeah, what a good dog. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, just be aware of that when you're out there interviewing for jobs. Yeah. If there's a dog in my interview, the interview is not. It will go off the rails. The interview will be about the dog. Yes. The dog, right. (laughs) If there's a cat, that becomes more complicated. I did also Mm. like the uh, the turn of phrase. Brianna, you pointed this out. A nameless cat oozes by on the broadcast. Yeah, and they yeah. mentioned that I, I like that there are animals at Ennett House, that animals uh-huh. kind of come and go and alumni right. adopt them. And, right. Yeah. That's nice. Mm. That is. That appeals to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, it also, it, sort of in this, right after that part, then uh, Gately is, is going on and on some more about cliches. Mm-hmm. And the good things about cliches, he has a list, right? He's got, uh, for one, they're soothing, and they remind you of common sense, mm. which is not a bad thing, right? And yeah. that they drown out silence. If you keep saying the cliches, then it, then you aren't just in a world of silence, right? And then yeah. that silence is deadly. That you need to have something like benign to be mulling over and thinking about and saying so that you're not just brooding, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's also a I'm not going to be able to find this either because I didn't highlight it. But there's a they're talking about how Gately's sponsor. So they talk about Gately's ability to kind of tune out things around him. Yes. Yeah. And they say it's a skill from his burglary that made him such a Which, good burglar. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. And his sponsor suggests that maybe this is not an entirely helpful, helpful thing right. or that it might just be a sort of surface level avoidance mechanism. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can't um, remember what happened. He tells him that that maybe he should live in the unscreened world for a bit, right? Right. But I can't remember that. I don't believe that went he, well or was no, possible. He, he did it for a little while and he couldn't <clears throat> handle it. Uh, and he, it seems like maybe he hasn't tried 
since. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's what I got too. That's one place where he's not really uh, working hard at the AA. It, I mean, way. maybe, but it also does seem like it seems more just like part of his personality to me. Yeah. And it's one of the things that makes him so easygoing, which seems like a really necessary skill for him. Um, True. When dealing with such high-strung people yeah. all the time, people, people mm-hmm. with such irritate. I think of the the scene back that we that we read back a ways about. Was it Tiny or who was it that was that was the the thing, the hand tapping that end up finger finger tapping oh, that ended yeah. up with the stabbing that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you could if you could tune that out, the tapping, then you're in much better shape. Or tune out the. Mm-hmm. They all have such irritating little ticks and little things that they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charlotte Treat uh, oh, yeah. does ne- needlepoint. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Aggressively, um, or I thought of Brianna knitting with the needles and the. <laughs> he believes her devotion to needlepoint is suspect. Yeah. All those yeah. needles in and out of all that thin, sterile, white cotton stretched drum tight in its round frame. The needle makes a kind of thud and squeak when it goes in the cloth. It's not much like the soundless pop and slide of a real cooking, a real cook and shoot. But still, she takes such great care. Mm-hmm. Um, which reminds me again of all these uh, uh, drug users that we've, we've met, all their really ornate uh like ritualistic processes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and yeah, so it's like, she's, Oh, that's true. She's taken that process and, and sublimated it into needlepoint. I mean, all things considered being addicted to needlepoint versus being addicted (laughs) to an illegal substance is perhaps. Yes. That's a good swap. Yeah, that's yes. really a functional. I think, it's very functional. I think that, that the AA philosophy would say that that's not the point. And the point is to actually uh, address the impulse rather than putting it onto something else. It's just a new addiction, in other right. words. It's a new compulsion. Well, it goes back to that thing about how pretty much anything can be an addictive behavior. Right. Right. Yeah. Even needlepoint. So who else do we know? So that's like four people that or five people there in the room with Gately, uh, is that right? Yeah. We've got Emo, Bruce the, the young there. guy. Bruce Green is also there. And is Tiny Ewell there? I think Tiny Ewell is there. He might not be in the room right, right. now. No, no, yeah. he's not talk there. About him like he's, and, yeah, they talk about Kate, him like he's is there. Is Kate Gompert there? Uh, she's also yeah she's they, they at Ed house her. she's not in the room i mean not in the room right the, yeah, but yeah. The, I, i'm unclear about whether she's still there or whether she's an alumnus of okay and at house yeah um or right. is there we got another oh, reference Erdetti. to our yeah. Yeah. yeah so all these characters are showing up at Ennett house it made me wonder if any of these boys from uh the tennis academy are going to land at Ennett House. I guess yeah. that would be right. I mean, there it doesn't w- sound like seems the like they're of, being set up for that. It mm-hmm. does. Although, on the other hand, it doesn't seem like the kind of place that those 
kids would go. You'd think they'd go to some private snazzy Swanky. facility somewhere. Yeah. But yeah. But, but many of the kids are also on scholarship, aren't they? Well, that's, that's true. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Or if they were just kicked out by their and disowned by their families, I guess then they'd be on the streets and then they, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. But it seems like everyone that we've met is showing up at Emmett House. Yeah. Yeah. Except conspicuously James O. Um, right. Although we, we don't know. J- we don't Do we know. we know if he was ever there? We don't You'd know for sure. You'd think his name would come up. I, yeah, that's what I, I keep thinking that that's the obvious place that that overlap would happen or that James O is the mysterious founder of Ennett house, but that biographically doesn't line up because we know that he died earlier. Um, but yeah, so far we haven't gotten any, any thing that would lead us to believe that he went to Ennett house. He went to some kind of detox somewhere. Right. But beyond that, we don't real. Ah, Sorry. Oh, I, someone's pulling my earbuds out of my ears. Oh, no. Oh, so no. One? Gosh. Ouch. Ah. I'm no. sorry. Excuse me. I'm being attacked. <laughs> so uh, so we're, we're on the bus now, uh, on the way back from this... Uh, this horrible tournament. Fort Washington Tennis Academy tournament, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was all horrible. <laughs> um... They won. They won, yes. By a lot, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Mostly thanks to Hal and uh, and John Wayne. Yeah. Uh, Pemulus did win uh, through means that seem a little bit suspect to me. A little bit, yes. A little bit suspect. A little? Just a little. Yeah, just a tad bit. Uh, Yeah, how'd they do it? How'd they drug the opponent? How'd they, they do it? Probably put it in his water. In his water. Yeah. You know, they were talking about putting it in Gatorade before as well. So, mm, yeah. yeah. So he didn't, he didn't pay off the, he didn't pay him off. Like no. I thought maybe no. he would do. Yeah. No, they just drugged him. Right. Mm. And he was very happily drugged. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, we also get a glimpse into the, uh, we get a glimpse into the curriculum, some more of the curriculum. Yeah, at, we at do. And ETA. Yeah, I just got Did briefly. Did you look up Flatland? Well, yes. yeah, I already yeah, knew yes. about Flatland. Yeah, because yeah, Flatland's kind of a, a big thing for science fiction. It, it claims mm-hmm. it's classic. It's a mm-hmm. classic. Yeah. Yeah. I downloaded it. I'm going to read it. I read the first oh, little cool. bit of a I should read it too. Of the first chapter. Yeah, I've never read it. I've just kind of uh read synopses of it and everything, you know, um basically you can download it for yeah. free. The uh, uh the the one one passage that I saw on the Wikipedia page for Flatland that I felt might have thematic connections is uh the population of Flatland can evolve through the law of nature, which states a male child shall have one more side than his father, so that each generation shall r- oh. shall rise as a rule, one step in the scale of development and nobility. Thus the son of a square is a pentagon, the son of a pentagon a hexagon, and so on. Oh. That yeah. reminded me a little of the uh lineage of the incandenzas. Okay. True. Yeah, because yeah, I'm gonna um, have to read it. It's very readable. And it's only mm-hmm. like it's a novella, so it's really short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the characters. Well, go ahead, Vinny. 
Yeah, well, so just for listeners who may not know about Flatland or anything, uh, basically it follows a square who lives in a two-dimensional Flatland um, where the caste system is set up by how many sides you have. So squares are a higher caste than triangles, but a lower caste than pentagons, etc., etc. Then the square one day meets a sphere, and the sphere rises the square out of Flatland into the third dimension. So then the square can see all of the wor- the new world around it. But then at some point, the square gets dropped into line land and the square then where everything's a line. And the square tries to explain, you know, no, there's more than just lines, but the lines won't have it and the lines don't listen to it. And I'm pretty sure. Let me see. I've got the plot here. OK. Um, OK, then. OK. Oh, yeah, then. <laughs> At some point, it looks like um, the square travels to Pointland. Pointland and Lineland, Uh yeah. Um, And then the square uh, returns to Flatland, but cannot convince anyone of Spaceland's existence. Spaceland being the world of spheres and three dimensions. So, yeah. So the tiny little bit that I read was was intriguing because I... I For one thing, it's a fairly bizarre... Uh, set up that it's shapes it's two-dimensional mm-hmm. shapes are the characters mm-hmm. uh the main characters and then it goes on to explain that when you live in flatland uh so there are different there are all these different shapes but in truth no one can see what see the shapes you can't see the shape if you live in flatland everything is a line yeah and they explain how like if you if you put a penny on the edge of a table and you're in spaceland and you can look down on it from above, it's clear that it's a circle. Mm-hmm. But if you get your eye, your your eyes down to the very edge of the table lined up with it, then it's just a line. You can't even see that it's curved. Right. Yeah. And but um, how so the people of Flatland. Yeah, kind of see that is, yeah, they see everything in lines, but there are like color gradients uh, denoting so then oh. you're, you know, able to see kind of where the edges are, I think, huh. I think is mm-hmm. how it's described. It, that makes it really intriguing, though, if, if what Andrew said about the, you know, that each, that the sons have uh, one more side than the, than the father, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't be able to see that. Right. Yeah. Well, so then, it's an it interior a, thing. It's a caste system, right? That the, yeah, the it's a more caste sides system. you have, the more superior but you are. But how would you know? Yeah. Only um, you know how many sides you have. Well, you see it through color gradient. So, like, um, there, huh. like when you get to an edge, it gets darker. <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, it, like the edges are lighter, but then again, goes to a darker period when you get to a corner or something like huh. that. So. The more corners, the more kind of lighter spots, unless you're like a circle, and then you're basically like a complete. Um, yeah, I, I actually don't know how circles are treated in Flatland. Whether I'm they're, they're going like the to have supreme. to read it. They're, they are the Supremes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's also, it also points out in when they reference Flatland that it's inescapable book at ETA. Every yeah. Student, which, every yeah, student I, reads this. Yeah, which I found fascinating. And then there's also just a lot of talk after that, which, I mean, I noticed uh, about kind of just shape and shapes in general and things mm. like that. Um, 
which I don't think there's anything to, but again, it was, yeah, just kind of fascinating. I'm also wondering, uh, does anybody know what Oblama is? Yes, I looked, I looked this that up. up too. Okay, good. So, yeah, I looked so that up. I, uh, speaking again of the like heroes of inaction, Ooh. Um, uh-huh. Ilya Ilyich Oblomov is the central character of a novel portrayed as the ultimate incarnation of the superfluous man, a symbolic character in 19th century Russian literature. Oblomov is a young, generous nobleman who seems incapable of making important decisions or understand or undertaking any significant actions. Throughout the novel, he rarely leaves his room or bed. In the first 50 pages, he manages only to move from his bed to a chair. The book mm. was considered a satire of Russian intelligentsia. Yeah, fut- futility of worldly endeavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, is it like um, Bartleby the Scrivener? Kind of? I, I mean, carried it, to an extreme. Yeah, in some ways. It extreme. also reminds me of uh, Ionesco's um, <clears throat> story Slime about hmm. the uh, a salesman who discovers one day that he can't get out of bed. I need to read more Ionesco. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I haven't read that he one. He wrote Rhinoceros, right? Yep. Yeah, he wrote Rhinoceros yeah. and mm-hmm. the Bald Soprano. Rhinoceros, uh, The Lesson, um, Macbeth, going back to our ongoing Shakespeare thing. And yeah. And then kind of going back to Heroes of Inaction, I mean, in Flatland, the square kind of gets its mind open um through an action in a way just kind of by being a passive um passenger with the sphere but then after that it sounds like the square does take action and kind of go and um try to you know open up the minds of the people of flatland and everything but it doesn't necessarily work out because the square gets put in prison so mm-hmm. Inaction ah. leads to mind opening and everything, but once you take action, uh, you only You're find yeah You're you sorry. get punishment. You'll be sorry, right? I mean, that says something really poignant about complicity in oppressive cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not convinced that I'm terribly compelled to read this, but <laughs> I'm excited that y'all are excited about it. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm more excited. I've, you know, it's kind of been loosely on my list of things to read for a while because, uh, you know, it's a pretty, you know, like I said, it's a pretty big work of science fiction and everything. So mm-hmm. there are yeah. movies mm-hmm. of it. Have you seen yeah. the movies? I haven't seen the movies. I have seen a Futurama episode based off of it. Huh. It must have been considered extremely strange at the time it was written. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's the good thing maybe about science fiction. Weird, maybe as oh, weird yeah. as Infinite Jest seems to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but not as long. Much shorter. Gravy, yeah. <laughs> 83 pages the education these kids are receiving is so odd mm-hmm. I mean, yeah these books mm-hmm. these books uneven these, perhaps right yeah right. like really like really challenging really uh cha- really challenging curriculum but really weird <laughs> Rigorous, yeah. but but 
strange. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it strikes me as kind of as lopsided. Um, yeah. With the intense focus on prescriptive grammar and then science fiction and media and perception and dimensions yeah. and and uh, yeah. I mean, don't did we talk or did they talk briefly about math? Do they learn math? I think they learn math. I'm pretty sure math was part <laughs> of their curriculum. Yeah. Um, okay. Just curious. Yeah, they mentioned it when they were talking about the curriculum, but I oh, don't okay. think it's necessarily that much of a focus. Not nearly as much as grammar and media. I guess if I set up a school, what would I teach? I would teach uh, Shakespeare and <laughs> poetry and um, kitties, kitties and puppies, and kitties, kitties and, and puppies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's about it. And how about knitting? Exploration well, of be, knitting. That would be part of the uh, elective courses. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Many handicrafts within the electives. But the core curriculum would be literature and animal-based. Mm. Yeah. So that's, and that's really the case with, with Enfield, isn't it? I mean, it is so incandensed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's like really, I mean, it, it is a rigorous, it's a rigorous, it's rigorous. <laughs> uh, uh. I guess the point is that you can learn to read and write and do math uh, regardless of what exactly it is that you're reading and writing about and what kind of math you're doing. If you're figuring out refractions and, and I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what the topic is. It's more mm-hmm. like applied knowledge. Right. Which goes mm-hmm. along with, that's like with teaching preschool. You know, there are things that you teach uh, and practice with kids, but it doesn't, re- it doesn't really matter whether you do it. I mean, there's no magical topics. Mm-hmm. It's just. So I guess the same is true at, at Enfield. <laughs> they get mm-hmm. these bizarre things. But what does it do to their heads? Goodness. Oh, yeah. Well, that stuff mucking about up there. And they really apply themselves, too, mostly. They really... Mm-hmm. Like that mostly. Yeah, <laughs> mostly. Yeah. Except when they're not. And we have another little little glimpse of Charles Tavis, too. Mm, yeah. Doing he comes the- across sounding weird. The Pierre Trudeau imitation that everyone except yeah. the bus driver is too young to know. Yeah. Right. He just seems out of touch. Yeah. He does. To me. He seems... He seems like one... Like that that one relative that you see at family reunions, reunions every year, and he's like, What up, yo? This stuff yeah. is bomb! Yeah. yeah. And you're just like... No, huh? no, <laughs> Uncle CT, stop. <laughs> yeah, it describes him as irrepressible on the bus. He's irrepressible. Huh. 
uh, presumably because they just won. Yeah. Yeah. I get the feeling that he's not always irrepressible. Yeah, no kidding. And and meanwhile, Shtit has disappeared. Shtit never Wait, rides on Shtit, the bus. Shtit doesn't ride on the bus, but he goes somewhere and holes up and watches film. Yeah, and then yeah. he comes out to, to practice the next day and is particularly uh, mean to them if they won. <laughs> right. Shrill and insistent and negative after yeah. they've won something. Which I guess, like... There's a there's the philosophy that you're always you're always improving you're always you're never done. Right. You want to rest on your don't laurels. be satisfied. Yeah, don't yeah. rest on your laurels. Yeah. But at the same time, looking at this rigorous curriculum as well as the rigorous training schedule they go through, they kind of deserve a day off. They do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they do. But I just they feel don't. Bad They're up for them. at dawn. Dawn drills. Yeah. I know. It's like a, it's like a, I don't know, like a, a prison camp or something. Or a, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, they're not, they're not living good lives. They're. I mean, it's, it's kind of relentless in the way that Don Gately's recovery process is relentless. Like you can't, you can't ever stop thinking about it. Yeah. That's true. I don't know. I think it I think it's rather abusive. It's an abusive mm. schedule. Mhm. And they I mean they have no they don't complain about it. Right. Yeah, they, well there's no recourse like they can't say which is interesting too cuz you've actually got incandenzas there that mm. attend the school that you know, in a regular family, uh, the kids would would say something to their parents, wouldn't they? About, you know, how come we never get a day off? Everybody's dying out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, wouldn't you say something like that? But you don't get the sense that they would ever, that they would ever raise that with Adam yeah. or James and- O. I mean, part of it is that I think, you know, no matter what, when you're in school, you kind of have a very specific um, point of view and that you don't really look outside of that point of view at all. Uh, And so, you know, for everybody at Enfield, this is just kind of what school is. It's just kind of what they do. So they don't, you know, there wouldn't really be this thought to question it or anything because that's just what school is yeah it's so funny that in a way they're so doggedly obedient Mm -hmm. except they have the they they use drugs right (laughs) they self-medicate uh but but they're driven to that but Mm -hmm. right, right but they're really obedient they don't they don't just, I mean, they could just lie down on the tennis court and say, I can't, I can't do any more. Right. I'm done. Or, you know. It kind of reminds me of. Slough off in class with their classes because they couldn't stay awake. I couldn't stay awake. I was dead. I was done. I tried to do the reading, but I, I, I was done. Mm-hmm. Everyone was done. 
They, uh, so as you were saying that, I started to think that, that what these students really need is they need to unionize. They need to organize. They do. They oh, do. yeah. And it reminded that reminded me a little of have you I, I don't have any details in front of me, but has anyone heard the story of the space mutiny that happened in the 70s? Uh, no. On Skylab? So uh, Skylab was the the first program after the Apollo moon missions. It was the first American space station. And mm-hmm. they sent up a group of astronauts. I think it was three astronauts to Skylab. And they had this whole long series of like maintenance tasks and scientific experiments to run and like health tests to take and all kinds of stuff uh, for not a very long mission. Um, and and the the crew kept radioing down to mission control and saying, like, this is exhausting. We don't have time to do all these things. And uh, mission control didn't listen to them and just kept pushing them to to do more and more and more. And eventually they uh, they sent a they radioed down that they were going to turn off the radio for a day and just take a break. Um, and, and they did. They, they, they just stopped answering radio communication for a day and rested and then got back to work. Hmm. That's a pretty good response, actually. And yeah, they were yeah. far enough so away that no one could do anything about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can't come knock on your door. <laughs> I when, you were describing, when, when you were describing their situation, I thought, oh, that sounds like teaching. <laughs> yeah. And all the, all the things that are piled onto you that you have to do, and you keep raising your hand and saying, excuse me, I'm already doing everything I can, and I'm not doing, I'm not, I'm already not doing everything that's on the list of have tos. Mm-hmm. So why are these kids so docile in a way? It's not the nature of teenagers to be I mean, so. I, but they've they've all been there since they were little. I think that they're kind of indoctrinated into this culture. It's like yeah. a cult. It's like mm-hmm. the it, cult. It, of, I mean, it reminds of, me a lot of the the like mind control. Well, I, I was like, I was thinking that it reminds me a lot of the like the childhoods and training practices of a lot of Olympic athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's true. Particularly like gymnasts and yeah. figure skaters. Yeah. And Swi- well, all swimmers. of them. Swimmers, everybody. Mm-hmm. The yeah, elite the, the, athletes. It, you know, I, I... Tennis players. Every couple of years <laughs> when the Olympics happen, they do like human interest stories about these right. athletes and, and, and what their lives are like. And I often think like, they seem happy, but... That doesn't it doesn't seem like a very happy right. life. And in places yeah. like Russia and China and America. I mean here well, in America, fam- parents scoop them up and move mm-hmm. to the place where they train. But like in some countries, they just get scooped up and they go to their boarding it would be like Enfield, I guess. They go to boarding mm-hmm. school where they yeah. do their training and their school and they're they're away from home and at a at a young age. So I guess I guess in that way, it's the same. It is, after all, a tennis academy. Yeah. But it's interesting. It's it's interesting how beaten down they seem, and I can't I can't imagine imagine that anyone can leave Enfield uh, and be a healthy person. Maybe Pemulus. Yeah. Maybe Pemulus. Yes. Yeah, maybe Pemulus. Maybe. He's kind of, you uh, know. Um, what's his name with the knee? Yeah, who's or yeah, with the knee and who wants to be a dentist? Yeah, maybe. 
Yeah, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think they don't necessarily revolt or anything because, you know, one, they've been there so long and this is just kind of normal for them. But two, I think they're just too exhausted most of the time to do anything. Probably. And also You'd because think- they've they've grown up in this environment for so long, they probably can't, you know, they probably don't know what else they would do with their time. Mm-hmm. Well, there is that, I suppose. They would have to stop and think about what they think and feel, which yeah. we know is not a popular thing to do there. <laughs> to contemplate. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems odd to me, even so. I mean, why aren't there why why aren't there kids complaining like like uh, shocked shocked? Is that his name? Did, oh, uh, did we say yeah. we're pronouncing it shot? Shot, yeah. Shot, shot. Uh, it still looks why like shot to me, so uh, I'm yeah. Chicagoan. Okay. Yeah. 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 Why, oh, whatever. Why, why doesn't whatever he his name is. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's... Why doesn't he just want to... Why doesn't he just leave? He seems to genuinely enjoy it, though, I think is the difference. Like, I, I get why uh, he sticks around. Uh, kind of... Perversely, I think it's some of the students who are ranked better than him that I don't really get why they're there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Say more about that. Well, they talk about how he doesn't he doesn't take it personally when his ranking drops, and he does ever since his knee oh, injury. No. He <laughs> that or, part I got. I oh. mean the the next part, the people who are ranked better than him. Well, like and, and pemulus, I guess I get because I think one of the one of the things that lures students there, even if they don't they don't plan on being tennis pros, uh, is uh, this really exceptional education, right? Um, and it's and preparing he, them to to go to a, a college. So and in every aspect of his life, he plays the system. So right. Mm-hmm. So he's getting he got out of his neighborhood and. And, and and he's there, I think, to to go to a a good college with a like a an engineering program or something, right? Yeah. And he's 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 uh, we don't know what all he's doing with James O's stuff, right? But he's got his mm-hmm. hands in that, and and who knows what he's doing, right? Uh, who um, knows what he and Mario are up to? So he's got that. Uh, but like, if you were a student, I I I, I don't know enough about the standings of who's who in the <laughs> rankings but yeah if you, were, if you were a student at enfield who consistently didn't place at the top of the rankings um like if you were kind of a middling performer and it seemed likely that you're not gonna go on to the professional tennis circuit i don't know why it would be worth all the work and pain and and loss of your childhood. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Unless it is the promise of, like, having a really good academic history when you apply to colleges. Yeah. Or maybe. Maybe that's what keeps students there. I don't maybe know, but are they prepared? They are they prepared? Enjoy. Are they prepared for college? They're taking really high-level esoteric classes. Yeah, but they're classes. weird. They're weird classes. Yeah. And I mean, they're preparing for the SAT, but... Uh, um, what 
what topic areas right. are they actually learning that can be transferred to that? Yeah, I mean, they maybe, seem right. like we, we don't get a lot of their the specifics of the course content, but they all seem very smart. Like, like even the ones who are kind of shirking their uh, academic responsibilities seem like very uh like they've got very impressive vocabularies and they uh they so yeah i don't know so we've heard about the the ones some several who don't care that much about the tennis right mm-hmm. that are not that tied to how they're doing in tennis, but we haven't heard about anyone who feels that way academically, have we? No. Maybe. Well, no. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, I guess he's a plagiarizer. He's He's motivated enough to find plagiarism necessary. Right. Right. Yeah. So. It's just interesting. Like, (laughs) I don't think it's a positive thing, but it, it, I don't, think you could, I don't think you could say he doesn't care. Like, if he didn't care, he'd just fail the class. Yeah. Right. But then he'd so also I, fail out of ETA. Right. But the same could happen athletically. Like, if you're, if you're not paying due attention to your tennis game, then mm-hmm. somebody knocks on your door and has a talk with you about it. It just mm-hmm. seems like, I understand that it's, I guess it's a good school, but it just sounds like such an unpleasant place to be. And they're, they're wasting, they're wasting so many years of their lives. It's not like three or four years of high school. It's like, how many years have they, they come when they're like 10? Yeah, yeah. nine it's, or 10. It's, it's just sounds so devastatingly uh, stunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, in so many ways, in developing who you are as a person, it's yeah. it just seems so. And they and they don't really. It's like we heard that one little piece for about how uh, you know that you can't have friends and you can't have a date and you because you know everything every minute is scheduled. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, that's the only little hint you get that there's any feeling of like being disgruntled about it or unhappy about it. You're not, it's not like kids are, kids are not sneaking out to go on dates or sneaking out. Not that we're aware of. Right. 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 I guess they go to the bar. The, um, uh, yeah. On occasion. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the unexamined life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a good bar. Yeah. 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 So, I don't know. I just worry about them all. Yeah. I worry about them. I worry about the way their days are put together. <laughs> overscheduled, overscheduled young people who don't seem to fight back against the the system at all. Mhm. Mhm. The only one that fights back at all is Pemulus, but he's just sneaky about it. He's not really you know, he just sneaks around and does stuff. Right. Yeah. But right, we don't really know his whole agenda. But no. It definitely doesn't seem pure. No. Yeah. And when you think about when you think about teenage kids living together in close quarters like that, you would just assume 
that there would be uh, more sex drugs whining and whining and complaining and and uh, trying to hatch ways of getting out of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And and they 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 talk about how tired they are in some of those locker room scenes, but they're not. They're complaining about the tiredness, but they're hardly complaining about their lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I would expect them to do. But I guess, you know, as you say, they've been there a long time and they're. They've been brainwashed. Yeah. That this is this is the right way to live your life. But if you ever start a school, don't pattern it after Enfield, okay? Except maybe, maybe to have weird, maybe Brianna's list of required courses could academics. Be. I, I mean, I think the academics at ETA are pretty great. I, if I had the opportunity to go to a high school that had those classes, I would have gone. I'd be looking yeah. for something a little more well-rounded, but that's just because I really love the liberal arts. I think it's surprisingly well-rounded, given the fact that it's a tennis academy. Oh, okay. I mean, there needs to be more literature, but clearly, like... Well, there's... There's, there's some, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it, it seems like there's a weird a variety. Yeah, right. Weird. Especially from what we've learned in this last year. There's... Uh, I mean, they're learning, you know, like I said, a, a variety of literature. Um, it just kind of seems somewhat scattered in a way, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's too uneven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The scattered focus is what doesn't appeal to me. I think maybe if it were more, if if that was a function of self direction, right? I was thinking the I same think that'd thing. Be interesting. If they're mm-hmm. choosing what they want to read, but they're not. I mean, every so everyone's everyone at Enfield has read Flatland at some, at some point, you don't escape Mm -hmm. that. You have to. Right. Yeah. And I get the sense that, you know, the assigned reading is assigned reading. It's not. Yeah. It's not because that's what you chose. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But they are interesting. They're, they're probably more interesting topics than, than some things you could, you that you have been ordered to read at school. Hmm. Hmm. It's just also unreasonable because it's like two full school. Right. It, it's it's like being in two schools at once. Yeah. Hmm. It's no wonder they're all a mess. And why hmm. the feeling of dread is building. <laughs> dread. A lot of dread. And why is why does Charles Tavis go along on the on the to these tournaments? I think protect his investment. A, oh, I get the. I, I, I feel like it's there's this sort of diplomatic element to particularly this tournament that it's these okay. two schools that meet, and there's probably a, a lot of like functionary nonsense that the two uh, heads of schools do. Yeah, because after the tennis tournament, there was a dance and a mixer. 
So, right. yeah. yeah. And there's, yeah, a, it, there's a whole thing about uh, oh, right. fundraising. There's a whole fundraising element, too. Yeah. Oh, right. So I guess you'd have to have some big shot there. And Avril yeah. certainly isn't going to go. So No. We still don't know if Avril has always been this way or whether it's... Right. More recent. Yeah. And we still don't know whether Joelle, Madam Psychosis, is alive or dead. Right. And we don't know if those guys ever got off the ledge. I guess they mm-hmm. did. If, if, uh, I guess. If... Steeply's out interviewing uh, Oren. Right. He at least, yeah. she at least got off the ledge. Mm-hmm. Marat, not clear. <laughs> oh, got to go get the ball for Corbett. Oh, okay. Did your ball come off the track? Oh, no. Oh, poor Corbett Derailed. Eugene. Yeah. Here again, this was a this was a strange read this time because it was so all mostly one one topic. Yeah, yeah I feel like the the um, the narrative eye of the book is getting less jumpy as we go along. I agree. Yeah, because last it's, week it was the same way. So, yeah. Right. Oh, this is weird. Yeah, it's getting less jumpy, but it's also sort of explaining its previous jumpiness because yeah. yeah you know right, with all of characters the, are coming together in locations and and right yeah yeah um before we wrap up i've got a quick vocabulary word Ooh. Uh, oh, good. it was nystagmic uh mm. so nystagmic is the adjective of nystagmus uh, which is a congenital or a quiet, persistent, rapid, involuntary, and oscillatory movement of the eyeball, usually from side to side. Oh, right. And, and that was a tennis player, right? How can they yeah, play yeah, so Trouch, Trouch, yeah. Mm-hmm. Trouch. Who yeah. is also, um, is like compulsively doing play-by-play for the, the match that just happened. Right. Yeah. And was it Trouch who had a microphone that went missing? Yeah, or is that yeah, another right. person? A, an unplugged microphone in his bag that somebody stole to everyone's relief, which makes me believe that he's constantly walking around carrying this Doing microphone and pretending play. to do play-by-play. Play-by-play. Play yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I got too, yeah. Oh, goodness. Another word I liked was, is it mocus? Is that how you say it? Mocus. Oh. The blues or depression. Mm. It was gate- a gately word hmm. mocus m-o-k-u-s i keep being hmm. just stunned by david foster wallace's uh word choices and how 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 do you use these obscure words how do you know that they exist so that, yeah. you, can use them, so that you can use them in your writing they are not words there are so many words that i come across that i have never encountered in reading, mm-hmm. and I, think I read just a lot. Opened a dictionary and it's said, kind of "This is my word of the day." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sedulously, hmm. a mocus. I mean, they just keep popping up. Mm-hmm. These weird. 
obscure. I mean, they're good words. They're really, yeah. you know, and they, they, they're good words. I just wonder how <laughs> it's got to be at least as tedious to write that way as it is to read. <laughs> Yeah. To read and have to look, be feel compelled to look up a word. You know, like I'm reading along and I and I and I just kind of skip over it and assume I'll get the gist, right? But then I think, right, oh, wait, yeah, maybe that's important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe, maybe I need to know what that word is actually, hmm. and how painful to be writing. <laughs> What you get to a spot and you think I need a really good word here. <laughs> I don't know. You people are writers. Words like that don't live in my poetry. Well, yeah. I mean, I think uh, it's less about a word being particularly long or or smarty pants, and and more about being precisely what you want it to be. Right. I think yeah. poetry is scary enough <laughs> to people and right. adding difficult, opaque vocabulary would make people even less likely to read a poem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. And poetry also, imagery it, is the most uh um 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 precise way of getting to whatever you're trying to say yes. in a poem. So in perhaps a poem, yeah, the in a poem, itself. words like these would would just come across really as pretentious. But I, oh, think, I sure think there's mm-hmm. like there's a level of self awareness too. I think like we have this we have characters like um, uh, Tiny Ewell and Jeffrey Day who use big long words where short ones would do. Um, yeah. And then there are characters like Don Gately who are constantly saying to them like, "Back up, say that in a way that makes sense." I don't understand what you mean. Right. Yeah. And then we have Hal, who is the walking dictionary. So. Right. So it's almost as if the book is written by Hal. Mm hmm. Mm. Yeah. In a lot of ways, the narration, the the overall narration reminds me of the way that Hal talks. And and those it would it would make sense that Hal, who like is the is the walking dictionary, it makes sense that he would know these words. Yeah. Mm. Corbett Eugene is trying to eat my earbud cord. Ouch! And he's really sharp. He's oh, after no. me again. Hmm. Oh. My podcat has gone haywire. <laughs> <laughs> Stop! No! And every time he touches them, they fall out of my ears because they won't stay in. Oh, no. So, so I'm, I'm having trouble. Juggling cat and earphones, ear, yeah, earbuds. Let go of my cord. Don't bite it. Please, need claws trim. Anyone want to? Anyone want to come to my house and trim his claws? I'll do it. All right. <laughs> if you hold him, I'll clip. Oh boy, I don't know if I can. <laughs> this is the problem. Oh no. <laughs> I have to get him when he's sound asleep. Mm-hmm. But he sleeps in really difficult spots for me to access because he's sh- shrewd. He's just <laughs> looking for tr- he's looking for trouble right now. What are you looking for? Stay out of my stuff. <laughs> Go bother Atley. Oh, he's so bad. Huh. Cats. It okay. is funny that I can hardly stop reading. 
Don't you think that's yeah. funny? Yeah. <laughs> Things have changed. <laughs> I'm also getting impatient that they're stuck in November of YDAU. Mm, yeah. They're stuck mm-hmm. right there. And I, 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 I would like to, I would like to peek back a little bit and I would definitely like to move forward <laughs> to address the feelings of dread that are, you know. Yeah, that are bubbling up. Maybe part of the problem is that it's stuck. So November 7th is my birthday and it keeps being stuck on November 7th, which kind of creeps me out in a way. Somehow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, happy birthday yeah yeah mm-hmm. happy birthday for, for dread <laughs> dread yeah yeah we got you dread as a present yeah, very nice <laughs> mm-hmm. so thoughtful of you yeah <laughs> you're all so kind uh does anyone have anything they'd like to promote or plug as always, if you want to check me and my paintings out, you can find them on Instagram at CardboardVV. Everyone should call and sing happy birthday to Brianna next week. On her <laughs> oh! I've once again, uh, I'm going to plug CSAs. Everyone should CSAs? be part of a CSA. I'm oh, really yeah. enjoying it. I'm once again going to use up my last uh, CSA vegetables today before I pick up my new bag tomorrow. So I'm... Ooh. And keeping pace. And it's really a good thing. I have become an expert at using greens. <laughs> mm. uh, my website uh, is agingrick.com. If you go there, you can read my essay, Self-Consciousness Performance and the Technical Monster, which examines how Irving Goffman's notions of social performance relate to the ways people in documentaries behave when they know a camera is pointed at them. Ooh. What fun. Uh, yeah, it's a thing I wrote. Next week, we'll be talking about pages 283 to 306. Our music is by David Nichols. You can listen to his podcast, The Land of Random, on Spotify. Thanks for listening. Hang in there. One day at a one day at a one day. Yay! My podcast is now wedged between the screen door and the glass patio door eating leaves that have fallen off the I think tree. your your podcast is experiencing some serious malfunctions. I think it yeah. needs to be I need to I need to restart it or something. Yeah. It's like, Try turning it off and turning it back yeah, on again. Reboot. Right. It needs yeah. a reboot. What? Wow. What? He's after my earbuds again. And now oh. he's talking about it. Oh, oh no.